You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Amen. Amen. Amen, somebody. I like a woo too. I like that, too. That's a good amen. That's biblical. Grab your Bible and go to Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to dive right in this morning. Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 1. Uh, it's been a crazy week, huh? Uh, Some of y'all must have been on an island somewhere. Because uh, it, it's been a crazy week. Uh, and it's been an interesting week. And it's, uh, it is strategic that we plan to begin uh, this series today. Uh, I know there's a lot of times I get challenged. People say, you know, Matt, well, like you don't really seem to dive into that political stuff. Um, nope. Uh, I don't because I'm not crazy. And um, my job has never been to uh, teach you political agenda. My job is to teach you pr- biblical principles. Um, and my hope for you is not that you align with a particular party, but you align with the Holy Spirit of God. And that where you are rooted is in His Word and connected to His Spirit. And I believe that will infiltrate all of your life. Um, and this week has been an interesting week. And one of the things that has reminded me of is, is just how culture changes. Right? Culture, culture is constantly shifting. And so today and over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing a series called Countercultural. And to do that, we're going to dive into the book of Daniel. And we're going to study Daniel's life for the next three weeks. And because the reality is, is culture is constantly changing, isn't it? Come on. It's, I mean, if, if you're like me, it, it, the moment you kind of think you get this world figured out, poof, it changes, right? I mean, the moment you understand the thought processes of people and culture and the world and stuff like that, it just drastically takes turns and shifts and moves. And I'm so glad today that culture can shift, but my God never does. That culture can change and things can be different and all this kind of stuff can happen, but God is the constant in my life. I wish he was for you, because you'd say amen right now if he was. Like, I mean, God is that constant thing. But this is what I want you guys to know. Like, this isn't anything new. Like, what we're experiencing, like, for those of you who are free, people are losing their dang mind. I mean, people are just freaking out. All, no matter which side you landed on, it's just people, I mean, we're just, it's just, this is nothing new. Culture's changing. It's constantly changing. It's constantly going to be different. It's constantly going to be shifting. And believer, the reality is culture is going to flow against the grain of your faith from now until Jesus returns. Like, and I don't know why we as believers panic in those moments as if it's not always been that way. Like, from the Garden of Eden on, culture's been working against us. And since we have been in existence, we have an enemy that hates us and is at war with our spirit and our relationship with God. And you know what's happened, I think, maybe for the first time in our culture, because we've lived in America, we've lived in this little bubble. Come on. Or we thought we did. Because we're a Christian nation. And, and, and all of a sudden, the bubble's starting to pop a little bit. And, and, and we start to panic. But what I want to remind you guys is like, this isn't new. This has been happening 
all the way since the beginning that culture has been shifting one way and is going to continue to shift one way and that way is going to be in the opposite direction of where often our faith is going to want us to go. And the question is, how are we going to deal with it? Because that's important. And are we ready to deal with it in a way that honors God? And in a way that keeps us rooted in who he wants us to be? And so over the next three weeks, today and for two more, two more Sundays, we're going to dive into the book of Daniel because I think Daniel went through a similar experience. He went through a time when he found himself placed in a culture that's flowing against the grain of his faith. So let's dive into the word. Go to Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to pick up with verse 1. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. If you're with me, ready to dive in, say amen. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the third year of the, king, of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God, little g, in Babylonia, and put in the treasure house of his God. Verse 3. Then king, the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his uh, court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without physical defect, handsome. They're talking about me. <laughs> it wasn't that funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Showing aptitude for every kind of learning. Well-informed quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine for the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Verse 6, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So we have four guys that have just been listed here whose worlds just got completely uprooted. Four guys who grew up in the southern kingdom, Judah, who, in their culture they'd have grown up in a very much a faith bubble. Everything around them up until this point in their lives would have been conducive to their faith. It would have fostered their faith. It would have fed their faith. And everybody pretty much that they would have been exposed to, all the outside influences would have been in alignment with their faith. They would have grown up and everybody would have believed the same way, thought the same way, had the same values, the same structural belief system, same world view. And now all of a sudden, and we don't really know exactly exactly how old they were, probably somewhere around the teenage years, their bubble is burst. And they're taken from this culture where they've been raised in, the things they've always known, they've been, had these shared values, and now they're put in a completely different culture, and now they have to respond. And see, that's the way some of us grew up. We grew up in this little Christian bubble. We, we grew up and like everybody around us was a Christian, Grandmama was a Christian. She had the King James Holy Bible, the kind that was so big if it fell on a child, it would kill them, right? You know, that big old, like you, you took three grown men to lift it off the coffee table. Like that was the centerpiece of your home. And you went to Sunday school and preaching and Sunday night and Wednesday prayer meeting, both spring and fall revival. You went to vacation. Bible. You was in church. And everybody around you was in church. And if your mama heard a friend say a cuss word, you didn't see them for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, that's how you grew up. And then you went to college. And you lost your mind. 
that bubble pup just burst. And the next thing you know, you're exposed to some different teachings, some different worldviews, some different understandings of theology and what God meant and who he was. And culture shifted and you went with it. And that's the danger with the world that we're living in is culture's going to shift. And the question is, what's going to happen when culture shifts? How are you going to respond? How are you going to deal with it? Because it's shifting, church, constantly. It's not only shifting election after election. It's shifting day by day by day. And we are bombarded with it. And if you carry around one of these, it's around you all the time. You constantly get news notifications, and you have exposure to everybody on the planet's opinions. And you know what they say about people's opinions? <laughs> and we're just surrounded by it. And the question is, what, what's going to happen? It's like, a, it's like this undertow, this current that's constantly moving. And the problem is, I'm watching more and more people of faith and people who are looking for faith, get caught up in it and dragged under and pulled down. And so I think there's some lessons we can learn from Daniel and his friends. Because they experience this cultural shift and somehow they survive. And so that's the good news I have for you is we can survive it. And because people, believers, people of faith have been surviving it and dealing with it since the beginning of time. But there's some things that happen right here in Daniel chapter 1 that I just want to point out that I think when culture shifts, these are, three, these are three staples. These are three constants that we're going to have to deal with, understand, and work through. And the first thing is this. When culture shifts, your identity will be attacked. One of the biggest things that's going to happen as culture shifts is your identity will be under attack. Look what happens next in Daniel chapter 1, verse 7. As they're brought into Babylonian captivity, the first thing that this new culture does to them is give them a new label. Look at it. Chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 says, The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, uh, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Now, it's really easy to read over that and just think, okay, they got new names. But when you dig down deep into even the understanding of what those names meant, you see there's more at play here. There's a spiritual warfare that has already begun in the lives of these young men. See, they're trying to get them to detach their identity from God to a label from the culture. You following me? And see, that, that's exactly what happened. Culture wants you to define yourself by its label. If you're with me, say amen. amen. This is good preaching. Like Because we, we love labels. We're drawn to labels. We need labels almost. And what we try to do is we try to grab these labels and find our identity and tether ourselves to them. And w w those labels change our whole theology. See, if culture can shift the way you see God in a way... You, God sees you, everything else will fall apart. Let me say that again. If, 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 if the enemy, if, if culture, in, in, the enemy in culture, if he can get you to change the way you see God and change the way you think God sees you, everything else is up for grabs. Because it threatens everything. If your identity gets shaken or shattered, you will shift with the culture. 
And right here, there's more than just a, a name change. It's, a, it's an attempt to give them a new label to get them to have a different identity. Daniel. See, in, in the Jewish culture, names had real meaning. I don't know if we still have that in our culture. Maybe you do. That where, where when you name your kids, it, it's meaningful to you for some reason. Maybe you've researched that name or it's a family name. Like, like it has meaning. And in their culture, it very much had meaning with their identity. Like the name Daniel means God my judge. And you can understand how that shapes even theology. God to I answer to. God to I report to. God to I, who, I, who I go to. And I want you to look. Belteshazzar means lady protect the king. Just let that sit in for a minute. And I will point out that even the new label tries to create gender confusion. And it's no longer about answering to God. It's about service to man. See, there's more than just a name change here. He's saying, like, you know what? Get your identity messed up. Get your label messed up. And no longer will you look for God's approval. You'll look for man's applause. Like, if I can get you to shift and get confused about who you are and your identity in God, it'll start messing with your theology. And no longer will you start living for God's approval, but you'll start living for man's applause, and it'll affect everything that you do. Hananiah meant Yahweh has been gracious. Yahweh was this really personal name for God that the Jewish people had created because they revered his name so much that they couldn't even say God. Yahweh has been gracious. And you just see that, you understand how it would affect your theology, that this God that I'm in relationship with, he's gracious. And then they change it from Hananiah to Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. Do you see the switch? Not from Yahweh has been gracious to me, but I'm scared of God. See, that identity can change from love for God to fear of God. That God is not somebody that you can love and be in relationship with. He hates you because you're evil and gross and you should be scared of him. Come on. It's impacting the relationship we have with God. Michelle was actually a form of the name Michael, which means who, who is what God is. You understand, like, like, who is what God is? Like, nobody's as good as God. Nothing as good as God. Nothing this world has to offer is God. Who or what is as good as God could ever? Who is what God is? to Meshach, which means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Church, do you see that there was more at play here than just a name change? Culture was trying to put an assault on their identity to take it off the personal relationship God, uh, I have with God, God's goodness, to your insecurities. Like, don't focus on God's goodness. Focus on your insecurities, how messed up and broken that you are. Focus on that. Or even Azariah. Yahweh has helped me. Yahweh has been there for me. He's had my back. He has blessed me. He has been there for me. To Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. Nebo was a false god. So from Yahweh has helped me to serve me from this personal relationship to these impersonal rules that we have to follow. See, when culture shifts, one of the first things that it's going to do is put an assault on your identity and try to get you to tether how you think of yourself to your label. Come on. And man, that's happened in our culture. 
our identity, our self-worth, our self-value, our understanding of who we are has gotten tethered to a label. The world can offer you a label, but only God can give you an identity. And you know what? There's some labels, they're good. There's nothing like the label daddy. When I walk in and my kids come in and they yell, Daddy, and they, they're glad I'm home, and they're hugging me and loving me. And just, you know, I'm telling you something. When you're, when you're a parent, and the first time your kid says, Dada, oh, my gosh, it's awesome. And they need to say Dada first. <laughs> All the moms said, nope. <laughs> but you know what? As much as I love that label, my identity is not determined by being Aiden and Leah's father. I love being called pastor. I love it. I see it's, it's my calling in my life. But child of God has to mean more to me. Husband, that's a great identity. Wife, that's a great identity. Mommy, that's a great identity. Teacher, that's a great label. I mean, that, all those, those are great labels. But somehow, some way, we get to this place where our identity gets rooted in our labels. And the thing is, in any moment, those labels can change. And they can shift. And they can move. And those people calling you by those labels can quickly change them labels. And here's the thing, when we start putting our, we will defend where we put our identity. So when something threatens our, our label, our identity, then we will get offended and defensive and it will destroy things in this country. So that's why people have gotten their labels attached to their gender, their sexuality, their role in life. And the moment anything threatens that label, we push back and we get offended. You with me? You follow me? Let me tell you something. Your identity is not in your label. Your identity was bought for and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are not the sum total of your mistakes. You are not those insecurities. You are not that position. You are a child of the loving God who sent his son Jesus to die for you so that you could be in relationship with him and now you are hidden in Christ. That's who you are. And when you learn to see God properly and allow yourself to see him how he sees you, it's a game changer in your life. But culture wants to rob that from you and get you to tether your identity to some label they want to create, do not let it happen. When culture shifts, your identity will be attacked. This is what I want to challenge you to do. Stay certain of who you are in Christ. Stay certain of who you are in Christ. When you're feeling insecure, and when you're anxious, and when you're worried, and when you're frustrated, and when people are saying all kinds of crazy mess about you, you remember, this is who God says I am. My identity is in him and nothing can move it, nothing can change it, nothing can erase it. Amen. Thank you for those two very subtle amens. <laughs> Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Paul, Paul knew this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Stay secure in who you are. Stay certain of who you are in Christ. Another thing that's going to happen, when culture shifts, your convictions will be challenged. When culture shifts, your convictions will be challenged. 
So I don't know if you picked it up in this story, but, but as they were brought into the king's palace, they were given this spread of food. These choice meats and choice wines. And they had access to eat all these things. But here's a problem. The culture they grew up in, what they grew up in under the law of Moses, those things were forbidden. They were off limits. That God has said, you know what, there's certain things you can't eat and there's certain things you can't. And that was just the rule of their culture based on what God has spoke to them in that moment. And they had a choice now. As this stuff stands before them, not only has their bubble been bust, they now stand before temptations like they've never seen before. Temptation has come right to their doorstep. And in this moment, they have to decide whether they're, not, whether they're gonna stick to their convictions or whether they're going to compromise. And that's what happens when culture shifts. Because the biggest thing that happens when culture shifts is the culture wants to say, God didn't really say that, and if he did, it's not that big a deal. You realize that was what, he, what happened in the Garden of Eden, right? The, the devil looked at, at Eve and said, God didn't really say that. That's what culture's gonna wanna do, is to t- convince us that God didn't say what he really did say. And if he did say it, the consequences, they're not that big a deal. When culture shifts, your convictions will be challenged. And you've got to decide what you're going to do. You've got to decide what you're going to do. Look at what Daniel did. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. But Daniel resolved. He didn't go crazy. He didn't throw a tantrum. He didn't say, I'm not eating that. And if you eat it, you're going to hell. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to devile, defile himself. In other words, Daniel said, that goes against what I know God's word said, and I can't do it. And here's my fear about our culture is, do you even know what God's word says about all these things that culture is attacking? Do you? First of all, it's not the first time these things are being under assault where culture's trying to to redefine what God has already defined. But do you even know? Do you even know what God's word says about all these issues that you're being bombarded with and, and that you that you're see coming at you all over the place? Do you even really know what God's word says about all these things that, that seem to be shifting and changing, that stand contrary to what you grew up with? And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's really bad. And this is my concern is we're so ignorant of what the Bible says about all these issues. And you know, here's another scary thing that I'm watching happen in culture. As I'm watching believers stand opposed to one another and use both scripture on both sides to make opposing point of views of what God says. And that's a scary place to live, isn't it? But first of all, let me tell you that throughout time, since it was written from the beginning, there will be people that try to manipulate God's word to say what it doesn't say. To make it more comfortable and easy and less against the grain. But do you even know what God says, word says about these things? And see, another thing too, like I know we want to live in a world without boundaries, but that's just not, I know we like a parking lot without lines, but then everybody's just bumping into each other. And can I just go ahead and say, there are certain things that God has written a solid line for. And I know we live in this world of, oh, I just don't have a conviction about, I don't care if you don't have a conviction, this is what God's word says. And there are certain things that are universal from beginning to end that will always be sin. I know that ain't popular. And I know if you're in here and maybe you're spiritually unresolved, this is uncomfortable, but I love you too much to tell you something wrong. That there are certain things that God has deemed sin and they're always going to be sin. They cannot be erased. They cannot be moved. Yes, 
I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, there are some gray areas. And if you don't want to admit that, that's, there are certain things that come down to personal conviction. And we have to make a decision. But let me say this, just because you can do it doesn't always mean you should do it. And you have to understand where God drew, drew those lines. And can I say, everything that God has deemed sin, He's deemed sin because it's dangerous for you. Sometimes we think, oh, God deemed this sin because He don't want me to have no fun. Everything he's called sin, he's called sin because it is dangerous and eventually will destroy your life. Hear me? It will be destructive to your relationships with others and with God. God has drawn certain lines that we have to just understand and we have to hold to those convictions and not be moved. So when culture shifts and your convictions are challenged, let me say this, stay confident in the truth of God's word. Church, dig into the word. If there's things that are happening in culture and you see it going against the grain and you even see people who believe in Jesus and go to church and have a relationship with God taking positions that you, that you don't understand or you don't think are biblical, number one, there's a way to deal with that. Number two, dive into the Word. Study it for yourself. You can only live so long on the faith of your grandparents and your parents. At some point, you've got to decide what you believe and why you believe it. And you've got to own it. And until you do, you will always be vulnerable to the shiftings of culture. You've got to dig in. And you know what? That means, parents, you're going to have to have some hard conversations with your kids. The world is going to shape their theology if you don't. I'm about to freak some people out. You ready? About three months ago, I had to have a pretty in-depth conversation about sex with my eight-year-old daughter because she was learning something inaccurate from some kids at school, and I needed to correct it. And some of y'all just got really freaked out. Yes. Let me tell you something. If they're around other people, they're hearing other things. And you cannot control what they're being exposed to completely. So you need to make sure you counteract it with truth from you, mom and dad. And you know what? Our kids' ministry is awesome, but they cannot hold the weight of the entire spiritual health of your children by themselves. Man, stay confident in the truth of God's word. Dive into it. Seek it for yourself. Proverbs 35, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Ooh. Final thing. When culture shifts, your identity will be attacked, your convictions will be challenged, and the third thing that we see happen to Daniel in just these first few moments is when culture shifts, your courage will be tested. See, he makes this decision to stand for his convictions, to stand for what God's word says, but then it gets challenged. Verse 9, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. In other words, like da da Daniel, you realize like if I let you do this and like you start to look worse than all the others, they're, they're going to know I let you do this and then then I'm going to be in trouble. Like, like, we can't do this. And it could have been really easy in that moment for Daniel to say, well, if it's going to cost you something and me something, maybe I should just kind of back away. But remember, Daniel was resolved. So he said in verse 11, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official and appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. 
Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and they tested them for 10 days. See, his courage was tested. And the question is, are you going to have the courage to stand for the truth of God's word and keep your identity rooted in him when culture begins to shift and move out from under you? And let me just say this too. You need to take a stand. But how you stand matters to God. How we stand for truth matters to God. And let me just say, what I have watched happen on Facebook and social media this week as things have happened has broken my heart of how ugly we can get when we believe we're right. Take a stand, but how you stand matters to God. And you don't get to stand in arrogance. You don't get to stand and belittle people. You don't get to use your platform because you think you're right to call people names, to make fun of them, to pressure them, to do things that belittle and devalue another human being. It's never okay in the eyes of your God. And you know what? There's sometimes we think that we can just be right in all the wrong ways. And what I've watched happen, especially on social media this week, it's really just ticked me off, just to be honest with you. When somebody doesn't take the same stand that you take, you don't have the right to call them names. You don't have the right to pretend like God didn't die for them too. You don't have the right to belittle him. You have the responsibility to stand in love and grace and humility and compassion. Now you stand firm, but you stand the right way. You hear me, church? And can I say, you know, when we started this church, you know what we discovered? As we began to meet people, especially the people that were unchurched, they weren't unchurched because they didn't believe in Jesus. They weren't unchurched because they didn't value Scripture. They weren't unchurched because of anything connected to God. That so many people have walked away from the church because the church has so poorly represented Jesus. And I saw that on display this week as much as I've ever seen it in my lifetime. Stand firm, but stand in the right way. Don't back down. Don't compromise. But we don't get to just check that loving God and loving people at the door when it's easy. Stand with humility. Stand with grace. Stand with compassion. Stand with love, but stand firm. And you know what? I'm convinced that if we're going to stay firm in what we believe and we're going to have the courage to not back down is we have to stay connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. That more than ever, and and maybe more than anything, if we're going to withstand the shiftings of culture and the way it moves, we have to be so intimately connected to God through the power of the Holy Spirit than ever before. Because then we we can have discernment and we can have wisdom and we can have compassion and we can let our emotions stay in check and in our anger we can't, we don't we won't lose it and do crazy things and we won't go off the re- reservation and, and just be mean and ugly. When we're connected, there's no way that you can live in intimate with, intimacy with the Holy Spirit and not live in a way that honors God. And the problem is we get disconnected from the Holy Spirit and we start running on emotion and because we believe we're right and we, we, we want to stand on those conver- convictions, we end up standing in really, really poor ways that don't represent Jesus very well. And God's up there thinking, what are y'all doing? 
Stay connected to the Holy Spirit. Because in His power and His grace, culture's going to shift. Church, your identity's going to be attacked. Your convictions are going to be challenged. Your courage is going to be tested. And if you're not living in intimacy with the Holy Spirit of God, it's going to take you with it. And it's going to force you into a place that you never thought you would be. But if we want to honor God and we want to represent Him well in a culture that is drastically moving away, we must stay connected to the person and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. It's non-negotiable. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Now whoever, now how, you however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Culture will shift. And when culture shifts, the biggest question is, will it change you or will you change it? When culture shifts, will it change you or will you change it? It will change you if you allow its label to be where you put your identity. It will change you if you're not confident in what God's word word says and you have solidified the convictions that you're supposed to stand on. It will change you if you're not living in intimacy with the Holy Spirit to have the courage to stand and know how to stand in the face of a culture that goes against things you believe in. Culture is gonna shift. It's gonna move and it's gonna take you with it. If we don't pay attention and do the things that God has called us to to stay close to Him. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? Can I just ask you a few questions? One of the first places I want to start is before you can ever find consistency in this life and get off the cultural roller coaster, you have to be rooted in your identity in Christ. And before that can happen, you have to believe in who He is and who He was. And if today maybe you're feeling unsettled and uneasy because your identity's never been rooted in Jesus because you've never accepted him as your savior. Let me tell you how to do that. It's really simple. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that you will be saved. Acknowledging who he is to give you salvation and to make you complete and to make you whole and to make you right with God. And if you've never done that and you want to do that today, would you just throw up your hand? I just want to accept Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord. I want to put my trust and faith and hope in Him. Amen. 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 Awesome. You can put it down. Thank you so much. Or if you're here today, and you know what? Maybe culture has kind of got you, and, and it's pulling you, and it's got you turned up and twisted, and you don't really know what to do, but, but you're here today, and you're like, I, I want to make sure that I'm rooted in Christ that I'm connected to the Holy Spirit, that I'm not going to allow culture to toss me back and forth and push me around. And maybe that hadn't always been the case for your life. I just want to pray for you. Will you just throw your hand up as well and just throw it up and keep it up? Amen. 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 Awesome. Awesome. You can put them down. 
Or maybe there's something else God's putting on your heart. Maybe there's some people in the room, man, you need to repent for how poorly you've stood for him at times. You've been right, but you've been right in some of the wrong ways. Then you just need to ask God to give you grace and wisdom to stand firm, but stand appropriately. To not back down and not compromise, but to do it with humility and grace and compassion and the value of other people and represent him in a way that he's worthy of being represented. Amen. Altar's open. If anybody feels led to come and kneel and pray, I'm just going to go ahead and extend that invitation. Just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. If anybody kills led just to come, kneel and pray, I just feel like God's doing some work. I don't know exactly what He's doing in your heart and life, but I'm going to invite you just to respond. Amen. It's about you and God. The gospel will always be good news. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the work you're doing in this room, God. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. God, I thank you for the way that, that you are moving in this room and, and the way that you're challenging hearts and minds, God. God, we do live in a culture that's going to constantly be going against the grain of our faith. And God, today, thank you for the reminder that that's not new and that's not changing. But God, you're not changing either. You are the constant. You are what's steady. God, your word says you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because, God, we lean into you in an unstable, unsettled, forever changing culture. We lean into the truth of your word. And God, I pray that you would help us to never allow our identity to be put in some label that the world tries to give us, but God, that our identity would be tethered to who we are in Christ, that our value and self-worth would be seen through the, the focus and lens of the cross, God. And God, I pray that throughout this room, as people are doing work with you, that you would just speak into their lives of whatever you're calling them to do different, whatever change you're inspiring in their hearts, God, whatever call to repentance you are putting in them, Lord, I pray that they would just be solely, completely, and fully obedient to whatever it is you're doing in their hearts right now, God. And God, most of all, in a culture that's so dark, we desperately need to be a light for you, God, and we can't be that light when we're doing it when we're representing you in a way that doesn't honor you and doesn't stay true to who you called us to be, God, help us to stand firm, but God, help us to stand well. Help us to stand with humility and grace and compassion, and God, help us to represent you in a way that brings you honor and glory and not to be sucked in by the culture and allow it to get us off message and off point and do something that doesn't represent you in a way that you would have us, God. And God, I pray that you would just use us, Lord as we continue to learn from your word, to just be a light into this culture, that God, just, it, it does seem to be growing darker every day, Lord, just with so much going on. There's so much fear and anxiety. And God, I pray that you would just give us peace and hope and joy. And God, help us just to do what we need to do, Lord, to make sure that we're ever connected to the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
God, we look forward to the way you're going to use us and the way you're going to change the world because of us instead of it changing us, God. We love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.